take the firearms first and then go to court because that's another system because a lot of times by the time you go to court it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures uh, i like taking the guns early take the guns first go through due process second how dare you you have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words until you do it i'm the boss and epstein didn't kill himself you know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. It's the economy, stupid. And high cheekbones, like all of the Indians do. These cuts are blood money. People will die. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. I did not have sexual relations with that woman please clap hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of tread on me we're still surviving here in this pandemic and uh, how's your pandemic quarantine going jake well we had to sacrifice one of my legs to eat because it's the apocalypse as long as you're you were just one of four people within a thousand square feet in the store when you went shopping for the salt and other cooking supplies and you made it. I'm telling you though, dude, I've I've really kinda thought about like if this were the real apocalypse, how like screwed my family and like all my neighbors and like everybody would be. Because people are not handling this very well and all they gotta do is just stay at home and watch Netflix. <laughs> See on the flip side, I'm sort of impressed with humanity we talked to like one of our first episodes about the power outage in south america and like 24 hours like people were rioting and looting yeah i'm pretty impressed like i really thought if we ever had a situation like this it was gonna be one week and americans be killing each other and truly trying to eat each other's legs oh, and well that's because here we are that's because we still have power and you know netflix <laughs> that's what i'm saying bro. <laughs> that's it's a good counter i just i just thought there'd be more chaos. So I guess I'm a little bit proud of the American people as a whole, but I'm still not sold. You're like, you're right. If we lose Netflix or, you know, they cancel Baby Yoda's second season, we might lose it. <laughs> yeah, dude, we got to figure out what's happened with that dang little little green alien. I know I refuse to support any Boogaloo until I get a re- resolution on that. <laughs> so what do you got for us today, Jake? Gretchen Whitmer, she extended the... Uh... Stay in shelter order today till April 30th, I think. Mm, yeah, I watched it live. Yeah. Did you watch it live? I did. I had it on my TV. Did Were you like, I, I know a lot of our listeners probably aren't in Michigan, but maybe you are. But did, were you like super unimpressed at the quality of this government presentation? Like her <laughs> charts he kept showing on her. So, so for the listeners, she had, um, oh God, just a projector. Just a projector and projector yeah. screen with all these numbers justifying her decisions. And you and she kept pointing like the red line is this and the black line is this and the green is this. We need to do, we need to be staying at home to, to avoid the red line scenario. And no one could see anything on the chart because the light just blinded. It was just white. So who knows? She could have been showing pictures of Pokemon or something. No, American people wouldn't have known. <laughs> well, I don't know if you caught it, but the people who were recording it, they had a phone with like an iphone in front of the camera with like a countdown clock and like they keep tapping it every time it would try to go back to like sleep just so that like the viewers (laughs) could see like the countdown but it was from an iphone it was it was ridiculous you think for the governor of the 50 states we could get it so like when she's talking about a powerpoint it would just show up on the screen (laughs) but hey what do i know my church i I used to be like the the media guy for uh, the church growing up but i could get more stuff look a better looking on a powerpoint screen than that yeah it was really weird man i i think i listened to it about for 30 seconds and then i like went back into my room and just kind of like goofed around and look, looked at looked at other things on the internet that were more entertaining <laughs> well i listened to most of the whole thing but what did you come away with it i know you sent me an article and are excited to talk about some of the oh, stuff yeah doing. so so because because of all this it's it's really telling what the government does because they never let a good crisis go to waste and are you are you like aware of what the freedom of information act is mm, if it has a government act and starts with freedom i imagine it's something to do with taking our freedom of information <laughs> away from us <laughs> so it was um 
It was enacted in 1977, and it's a series of laws that were designed to guarantee that the public has access to public records of government bodies at all levels in Michigan. Um, so essentially, as long as these aren't like classified, as long as they're like not classified documents or um, like insider trade secrets. So like you know, if you're if you're like having some kind of like lawsuit between two companies. Um, and, uh, like, attorney-client communications and, like, things that are covered by HIPAA, um, like, on that level, um, anything else, you can request the government. You can, you can petition the, like, wherever you are, you can petition the government. You don't even have to give an excuse to why you want the information, and you can get it. Um, typically, though, it's because, you know, it's the, it's the, uh, the government, it takes kind of some time to get it, but they have like a time limit of when they're supposed to respond to you. And uh, before she enacted this new executive order, it was about five days. And the clerks, they had five days to like respond to you and tell you, hey, yeah, we have it and, you know, we'll get it to you eventually. And um, I've heard, I, I've, I've looked and saw that sometimes at those requests, it can take a really long time, especially in large cities. Um, however, they, they, will get, they will get it to you eventually. Um, but now, um, Gretchen Whitmer, she has essentially kind of put that to the side and said, well, if our clerks have to go to look at physical records they're just not even going to go and bother with it until they're not even bother with it and even even communicate with you until june um but if it has something to do with electronic documents then they have like an extra 10 days and i i don't know if this was also inside of like if if this was um before the order but when i was reading it it also said that um if the clerk doesn't open the request so if it's like through like a mail if they don't open the request that counts as them not like actually seeing it so it can just like sit in limbo forever so basically government can just like ignore if what citizens want to know about them because it's a time of crisis and their government workers can't possibly well let's break this down so there's two types of records right there's your digital and then there's your your hard copy. I'm gonna, these people already have their jobs doing this. You know, this already kind of their jobs, the clerks thing. So I can't imagine why this would slow them at all down with the digital record side. You know, you just gotta find the digital record and send it. And the, I'm trying to think like I imagine I've been in some government storage rooms and paper rooms and uh, stuff like that, like where they fi file everything. Like it's you're just, you're not gonna run into a crowd of people with COVID nineteen. Like how is this how is this possibly a reason to slow down sharing the information to the people? That's the question I I had because th there's she's actually there's two attorneys in Saginaw that are actually suing the governor over this, saying it basically saying that it's an overreach and there actually are other numerous complaints about all the other things that she has um, enacted or these these uh, executive orders that she's put in place over the the course of this pandemic and um, it's very interesting though too because. These these two attorneys are also like all they they're like you know balls deep into the state, but just for their side, they they they've gone on the record in the article that I was reading saying that well sometimes the you know the government needs to have more power in times of emergency, but then they turn around and they go ahead and say that well because well, Gretchen Whitmer is like basically because the our Democrat is it Gretchen Whitmer is a Democrat and they're Republicans, but that's a whole other thing, but um. I just think that it's really weird, though, that the excuse for not having county clerks go and look at physical documents is so that they like don't they they're not putting themselves at risk. Even though Gretchen Whitmer has ordered people to go work in grocery stores and orders the police to go out and still do their jobs and construction. And she did. And she did label the Easter Bunny as an essential worker today, along with the Tooth Fairy too. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and mythical creatures. <laughs> they have to do their jobs too. Yeah, I mean, her executive order is kind of crazy. I don't know what other states stack up um, to compare to it, but 
some of the new things she did, like no residence to residence travel anymore starting Saturday. So it's like, if I was like, hey, I'm free. I don't have COVID-19. I'm going to drive an hour and a half and see you, Jake, in Ann Arbor. Stop by your house. I know you don't have it. And just us engaged. And I came back home. That's now illegal. Like, you need to be caring for like an elderly or something. And like one of her things that just cracked me up was like, now stores have regulations on how many people they can allow in. So like if you're a big grocery store, you can't have more than four customers per 1,000 square feet. What? I, like, who's going to... Yeah. Like, the first, first of all, it's unenforceable. So, I mean, unless you're going to have literally a cop run around with, like, a long ruler and shout at someone, hey, you're the fifth person this thousand square feet, and they're taking off the next thousand square feet. And like, no, I'm over here with these three people. There's no way to enforce it. So, I mean... I Well, the, the only I, way I see... I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, go for it. Uh, the only way that I see them being able to f- enforce it, and it's it wouldn't... I would not put it past the state to do it, because they kind of already do it is they just use, like, security camera footage. So, like, let's say, like, you're going out and you're in a grocery store, but you're not following the rules, and they got your face. Well, they'll just, like, figure out who you are just by, like, doing a little quick Google searches and facial recognition technology, and boom, they got you. Just like they do if Uh, you're speeding down the road, they take a picture of your license plate and send you a ticket in the mail. Nah, they won't do that. It's because it's too tedious, takes too much time. I guarantee this is how they're going to do it. And I could be wrong. Maybe maybe they will do it that your way. But So stores, let's say you're just a 1,000-square-foot store, you know, or 2,000. Let's say you're a 2,000-square-foot store or whatever. You're just going to have to, like, kind of keep a tab on how many people come in. So you're, you're going to be motivated as a store owner. And, again, as a store owner, unless you're really, really on top of this stuff, you're going to lose track. There's going to be more people in. But, I mean, the store owners are going to be like, well, we have to semi-keep track of this problem. So they're going to start counting people like, hey, we're a 2,000-square-foot store. We just let a ninth person through the door. So someone's got to leave, you know, because there's only that much space. How the state's going to enforce this is they'll probably just have cops swing by, like, Walmarts and Myers and stuff and just walk in through the door. And they're going to look around. And if they see a bunch of people, like six or seven, standing in the produce section, they're just going to find the store owner. So that's, that's going to be way easier than mm-hmm. camera identification and other stuff. They're not going to get a measuring tape out and be ridiculous like that. But they're just going to swing by. So now store owners are going to have to literally have someone just counting. Like how many people come in and come out and have someone some, someone tallying all this at the front door. But I'm, I got to think, like, what's what's changed here for the demand side of, like, economics? I like to think about that. And really nothing. People still want their goods. Like I've heard, I haven't gone shopping myself. Me and my wife are using Shipped right now because we're trying to stay voluntarily conscious of other people and respect their opinions and like their their safe spots. So we'll have someone get groceries and drop it off. But I've heard like friends have gone out to grocery stores. It's like packed. So the demand's still there. People want their toilet paper, their hand sanitizer, their vegetables, or cupcakes, whatever. But by doing this, all you all you're gonna do is just make longer lines and just. I mean, just think about this. Like, so you still have like a thousand people that want to shop a day for their item. Now only like ten are allowed in the store at a time. You just have massively filled parking lots. You're yeah, and start people seeing, all like, next to each other coughing seeing, all over each other and getting yeah, each other. You're gonna sick. start seeing precisely. You're gonna start seeing tailgate parties. You're gonna start seeing more hoarding. So let's say you go into the store and you're like, "Holy shit! It took me four hours to be allowed into the store." Oh, look at there's 10 heads of lettuce. I'm going to buy all 10 because I need them. I don't want to come back. You know, something ridiculous like that. Uh, well, now they're starting, they're, they're starting to put in like, um, like restrictions on the, the volume of items you're allowed to purchase. For example, like at my local Kroger, a, a, one single family is only allowed to purchase one thing of toilet paper now or um, like paper products. It's kind of weird, but that's what they're kind of doing right now to kind of curb that, at least that from that, what I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Stores will have to do that, but this is, I mean, this isn't going to change again. Like my moral of the story for me, it's not going to change how many people want the product. It's just going to massively slow it down. And we're going to see people staked out in mass quantities in parking lots. And I'm telling you, man, there's going to be a tailgate party that starts up with a bunch of people like, this sucks. You know, let's say, hey, you got a TV in your back, in your back trunk, pop it open, get a grill, mm-hmm. you know, as they're waiting to get in the store. It's just, some of these rules are just ridiculous. And it's just, is, I, it's crazy because everybody's praising this too. Like, I know people are like, this is great. It should, we should actually increase it. We should make it more, you know, more safe, more regulations, more rules to this whole thing. I'm, I'm just, I'm dumbfounded. I don't know because it's like, it's always about the good intentions, you know, and I, I hate, oh no, I don't hate to be this guy, but I'm going to be this guy because I'm kind of, it kind of frustrates me because if you even try to like 
say anything about this pandemic, like that maybe perhaps what is being said isn't completely true and that maybe it's just fear that's kind of, you know, turning the gears more than the actual danger of it. People like pounce on you like like you're mm-hmm. a gazelle and they're a freaking lion and you can't even like you got to toe the line like maybe perhaps this isn't actually as bad as we're being led to believe that it is i mean look at countries like south korea and look at countries <clears throat> like in mongolia up in there and even russia it's just like i don't i don't i think that this is just an opportunity kind of like with 9/11 where the government's going to just seize it and just do more it's 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 going to be it's going to turn out to be like that at least that's what i believe it is it's they're they're going to be able to they're going to use this crisis to say hey we're going to be people of action your leaders we're going to be actions that's what Gretchen Whitmer's really trying to do she's like saying hey and she's a pretty good job at it she's a great orator and she's she seems like she's got a cool head and she's really good on TV um she's like I'm a per- I'm a leader of action. Just give me these these powers and these extra things, and I will keep you all safe and warm and fuzzies inside. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It, it, the pouncing part really annoys me too, because it's like many question, like, well, you know, the numbers are being skewed, or you point out like a different fact, or say, hey, this is dangerous. We can voluntarily, you know, stay away from it and still be worried about the state's actions. People just seem to come back like, you want people to die. It's like, holy <laughs> yeah, hell. dude. Yeah. They're <laughs> just like, can you engage me in a rational thought, please? And what was that like? I was trying to remember that one meme is going around, like how many, um, how many suicides happen like per 100,000 people that unemployed or per percentage of unemployment rate that goes up. And if you're like, we're going to take that number into account, like, more just as many if not more people would possibly die from suicide for how many are filing for unemployment at the current stage than are dying from coronavirus so mm-hmm. it's it's like well, do you want me to find like stupid numbers too and say hey for every percentage point the gdp drops the country this many people are unemployed or this long you know uh, of a recession uh, this many people tend to die statistically well i mean i could throw that at you too and just say you want people to die too but that's just an irrational argument that just takes on emotion and doesn't seem to look at the bigger picture at all and i hate it well we don't want to do that it's because like i said it's it's all about controlling the, your your minds yeah sure this might be a, a crisis and it it might it, it might be you know harmful to a lot of people but it's very obvious that what's happened is that our leaders who are all corrupt have taken advantage of it to to further their own prestige. Um, just look at the stimulus bill that was passed. It cemented an oligarchic rule in this country for the next generation. And there was an I, uh, I think more there than was that. It's, I, I think, think forever. <laughs> I think what there was there anybody that didn't vote for that? Was there anybody that didn't vote for that? From my memory, the Senate passed it unanimously i think it was like 96 to zero off the top of my head so a few abstained and then um the house that's the whole thing with massey doesn't trying to give him to hold a vote and they just kind of like like unofficially just kind of passed it behind the scenes like there's like an empty chamber and pelosi just said it passes i don't think there's ever a roll call because i remember googling it like trying to find who voted yes who voted no who voted abstain mm-hmm. and nothing showed up it just said you know the the house passed it like the house passed it like an empty chamber or something like that. I don't know the exact proceedings, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a single recorded no vote, no vote on it. Mm-hmm. Besides maybe like you say Massey or like, you know, the ep- people that abstain like our, um, Rand Paul and who's the other guy. I can't remember his name, but I think he abstained too. It's like Justin Amash, Amash I think was it. Yeah. It's like the thing is, is if we're going back to like Gretchen, like Gretchen Whitmer and the state and lo- our, our local government, she did a lot. I'll say that. She, I'll say that she did a lot. I'm not going to necessarily say that it was what was going to have great outcomes, but she's expanded a lot of things. For example, she expanded unemployment, which will help out a lot of people right now. But the thing is, is it's like you're 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 taking a loan out on your future taxpayers by doing that, and um, I don't think that this is just like a. A short-term crisis I think that well I mean I'm sorry like I think there are gonna be other ramifications to the pandemic than the actual pandemic itself and I think that a lot of people 
are going to um, be hurting. And I think that it really goes to show like how fragile this monetary system that we live in is. Oh yeah, where it's gonna collapse soon and it's gonna take a lot of people with it and it's gonna make, make coronavirus look weak in the, in the grand scheme of things. I, feel, I, I think that this is just like part of like, it's like helping kind of like push us over that edge a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. On my end of things, I was like trying to find out something to talk about. No, I just decided to go price price gouging, and because I don't know, I saw an article that entertained me about it, and it's kind of on the whole virus pandemic side. So we keep the conversation going in that regard. But you remember Jake like a few weeks ago, everybody was freaking out about price gouging people, hand sanitizers or whatever it is, toilet paper. It doesn't matter. Like the prices were high. Remember people were like panicked about it, how it's the great sin and we need to like stop these people. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Uh, I just read an article earlier this morning about how nurses um, in New York, I think I sent this to you, are making up to $100 an hour, and they can make like up to $100,000 for a 13-week stint. And people are just paying ridiculously high prices for nurses to come in and take care of them during this epidemic. And I have not heard one outcry of a nurse price gouging, Jake. It's And it's baffled me. And this, this is why I can't talk about it, because sides, oh, I just hate... I, I, I just hate when a situation comes up and aside like the Democrats or Republicans or whatever say that's price gouging, that's evil, you can't charge 30 bucks for hand sanitizer, you're the worst. But then their mouths are entirely silent when someone who's a laborer sells their labor for an inflated, um, I'm doing quotation marks here, price gouging wage rate. I mean, well, it's just, I mean, there's no such thing as price they, gouging. They'll, go. they'll yeah. open their mouths when, when those certain individuals, they see somebody being earning a, a wage or a salary that they don't perceive as being that valuable. So, for example, I hear a lot of people complaining about, well, look, and like sports players are paid way too much money, but, but our school teachers aren't paid nearly enough. You're, you're right. So people will come back with that. They say, well, a nurse in this harrowing time, you know, she's putting herself in danger. She's going to this, uh, to the people need her, so they're willing to pay her $100. She's providing a valuable service. And I would just come back and say, you're right. That's the same thing with the person who, who hoarded hand sanitizer in an epidemic. You know, he's like, he saw a need ahead of time. He took a financial risk, you know buying a ton of stuff at a cheap rate. You know, if the pandemic never happened, there's never an ability to sell your 10,000 gallons of hand sanitizer at 30 bucks a bottle or whatever. But it's kind of the same thing because, yeah, the nurse is taking a risk and people are willing to pay for her for that service because they deem it worth that. So they deem this nurse worth $100 an hour to take care of them. So let's say the shelves are empty. There's no more hand sanitizer because stores weren't allowed to price gouge it and sell it for more like 3 or $4 a bottle so this let's say a guy saved up a bunch and said hey i want to sell it for forty dollars a bottle because i have ten thousand bottles or five hundred or whatever and i'm willing to put it on the market in goods and then people are saying oh i'll pay 40 or 50 for that that's because mm-hmm. it's worth 40 yeah. to 50 dollars well, for them an- just like that nurse is worth a hundred dollars and people people will totally become hypocritical the minute you consider price gouging at um what the difference between like a product and an actual person working at it and we see this all the time jake like how much like, would you work Christmas Day for ten dollars an hour? No, no. You know what your boss does? Can these people work Christmas Day? Triple time, mm-hmm. quadruple mm-hmm. time, thirty, forty. That's a price gouging right there. What's the government do when it can't attract workers for a certain product at the at the market rate? Takes taxpayer money, offers them more. You know, yeah. price gouging there. No one ever has a problem with price gouging when it comes to a person, and they totally understand why the person is selling their labor at inflated value. And no, I shouldn't even say inflated value. That's because it's not true. It's their actual yeah. value because the person deems it and why people buy it. I would you know, I turn around and say, it's the same reason they do it for fucking hand sanitizer. I wouldn't even take it a step <laughs> further. It's these, these are the same people who will rail about how, how the person, so it's a, for your hand sanitizer example, right? These people, like, they're the same ones that'll call that person selfish and evil and criminal. Like, they're somehow entitled to his product his property like it's theirs and they own it it's just it's it's gross dude and it, it's really kind of shows you who's really who out there well that's a crazy and let's say the pandemic never happened and there's a guy like there's, there was that guy with like seventeen thousand bottles i thought it's like a true story let's say the, the pandemic never happens and this guy is seventeen thousand bottles well no one would ever get mad at him for that they'd be like well you're stupid you hoarded it you're dumb but guess what happens when the pandemic happens? That guy's got a supply that he can provide to people. 
Like he can actually get a product to market that's needed. If he never hoarded that, there would be no product available. People wouldn't have the option to even get hand sanitizer. Sure, it's, an, it's a higher price than you want to pay, but at least there's an option. So if you say, hey, I really need hand sanitizer because the market sets the price and the, you know, the resource gets more scarce and in higher demand, the price has to go up to allocate that resource so people at least have the option. Without him, there wouldn't even be an option. You can complain about, you could say, yeah, we won the moral victory, there's no price gougers, but you're not going to find hand sanitizer mm-hmm. anywhere. Mm-hmm anywhere and people don't realize like this speculation happens every day people are constantly speculating on prices whether it's like speculators saying well the price of wheat's going to be this next year i'll pay this Mm -hmm. you know they're constantly speculating guessing prices and that's how the the economy works Mm -hmm. and that's how like goods and services are provided in weird times because someone said hey i'm going to take a risk with my own property finances, time, money to, but you're, to store 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and buy them and, you know, keep it in stock for this situation. And then people, you're right, they just crucify well, the, them. But no one's crucifying the nurse or the overtime Christmas The worker. thing is, is, too, is you can even go a little further than that, I think, as well, because there's, like, people talk about, like, want and need. Like, there's a difference between want and need. But because I don't even think there's an actual, like, measure for need. Because I think a big argument too with the hand sanitizer thing is well we need hand sanitizer well yeah we you also need oxygen but if you have too much oxygen you're gonna die do like and and so you can't measure to say like well we can't we can't distribute we, we there's like no like centralized way to be able to figure out who how, how much of everything everybody needs do you know what I mean? That has to be no, left that's, up. That's why. That's have to, yeah, that's why communism and social does never work because you can't centralize. You can't centralize prices because mm-hmm. you have no idea. Yeah. It just it's always falling apart, and probably it's always falling apart for the main reason. It's prices. Mm-hmm. Central government has no idea mm-hmm. of what a price is and how to and how it works in the market. It's like um, back in the day. I don't. I don't remember. I don't know exactly what the context was, but it was a it was a Spanish city, and they were they were under blockade from the Spanish, I believe, and because uh, I think they're separatist. I, I don't really know exactly why the city was under blockade, but they were under blockade and and they were being sieged. And when a city is under siege, it's resources are very scarce at that point but when there is like a crisis there's always opportunity and because people were willing to pay a lot of money for food it encouraged smugglers to take the risk to smuggle food into the city and then once they got into the city they started selling their food for what i guess you could what what they were what the leadership and the nobility were calling inflated prices and so they kind of mm-hmm. banned these these they 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 instituted like price controls and because they instituted price controls there was no more incentive for for people to take the risk to 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 break the blockade of the spanish uh the spanish armada or whatever and people starved no no, you hit the nail on the head i mean that that was even true i think with some of our hurricanes and natural disasters like People were incentivized to bring water into New Orleans because it was dangerous for truckers to come in right after it, you know, flooding, damage, but they were incentivized. It's going for 40 bucks. There's one story about a guy who was in one of those natural disasters. I don't know which one it was, but he had a bunch of extra fuel. He was driving around and finding people stuck inside the road without fuel, selling them fuel for like $17 a gallon. They both agreed on the price, said, hey, I have this much. Here's a gallon of fuel. And then the cop came and stopped him. And guess who, guess who, gained, from, guess who gained from the original transaction? Both gained. <laughs> Because they, they were able to get their car out. He was able to make some money. He saved the fuel. Winner, winner, voluntary transaction. Mm-hmm. Guess who gained in the second transaction? No one, because there was no transaction. Like, he wasn't allowed to sell his gas at high. He didn't want to sell his gas and go through all that trouble for 3 $4 a gallon. And the people were stuck on the side of the road and couldn't get their cars. They didn't have an option. Like, it's it's amazing that... But let's go off, like, a kind of a fun tangent then, like, off the more serious economic... I'm still puzzled about how people need this much hand sanitizer. So we're in quarantine, right, Jake? Mm-hmm. Me and my me and my family got like two hand like those small like hand sanitizer, probably like sixteen ounce bottles. Mm-hmm. Haven't even gone through them yet. This whole quarantine. I'm trying to think like who is really needs this much hand sanitizer? You're in your home anyway. You have soap and water, right? I didn't hear about a soap shortage, not that I know of. Like you're not going out that much anyway. And if you are, how are you pumping through this much hand sanitizer? Like 
Oh my I gosh. I think that goes I think that actually kind of goes back to like a little bit of like that lizard brain that we all have like where we're like oh we got to survive like this could be the big one, you know, every cuz every time the media starts to like, you know, sell a little fear, people kind of start to panic like oh my god, this is it. This is the, this is the collapse that all the movies and TV shows have been telling us about. It's going to happen now. I better go get all my things that I think I need and it's always irrational and not thought out and that's why you see toilet paper going out the window. And- what are you doing like five squirts a hand? <laughs> but let's talk about toilet paper. Okay. Because it's an economic price. Let's say I go to the store and I really want toilet paper and I'm out. I actually did a bad job of planning. And I go up and see toilet paper for like $10 a roll. You know what I'm going to do, Jake? I'm going to say, fuck that. I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at my rag pile a little more friendly. I'm going to look at my napkins, my paper towels, my tissues. I'm going to say, you're worth more to me now. Or maybe I'll just straight go in the shower and just shower it off, you mm-hmm. know? Like, there are other options. People get so stuck in this one product. Like, we need, like, 10 squirts of hand sanitizer every time we touch a pineapple at the store. Like, <laughs> no, you don't. Like, <laughs> you're, you're going to be fine. Like, you sh- if it's in quarantine, you shouldn't be out that much touching so much stuff. You need hand sanitizer anyway. And you should be at home with your soap and your That's water. That's another thing. I'm not even totally sure either because, like, three weeks ago, they were telling us that we needed to have a very specific kind of mask to wear. The N95 mask. Now Gretchen Whitmer's telling us to go around walking around with homemade masks. So yeah, you see the you see all those people too, like their masks not covering their nose, or those like scratch under it, I think... or they like lift. Like there's a video making fun of it, like this guy at a store, like he pulls his mask off to smell a candle. You know. <laughs> I think it's funny though when you, when I see, when I'm driving down the road and I see somebody wearing a mask by themselves in their car. <laughs> yeah. Or like you see the people like grocery stores like plastic. Like, plastic gloves on like this is to protect us so they touch an object and use the object to touch their phone touch their keys scratch their face and they use it to touch another object my favorite example is like if you're like handling a raw chicken with like on uh, plastic gloves on like what do you do after you handle that raw chicken you take the gloves off or wash your hands you don't like touch another product because you're just mm-hmm. spreading the germs and these people just like we have a magical glove on so we can touch everything <laughs> in the yeah. store touch ourselves touch our phone and the glove like kills the germs like get yeah, dude. out of here like, no wonder you need so much hand sanitizer you need to pump it every time you touch an object like just go into the store and just touch it like, get all your goods together at once check out and then wash your hands like resist like, i don't know what to tell you that makes me like really think that if like the coronavirus was the actual big one it would have like burned through our population a lot faster just because of, just because of how gross we are really yeah it's so true um i mean that's all i got in the coronavirus you got anything else for us the cor- well i also was um because i've been trying to kind of you know with our new format and our our tread on me because i i think it's more important to kind of focus on our your local government first and then you know go towards like the bigger and bigger and bigger right and as i was like sifting through just our state legislature and who who does what and who runs what and i learned that the uh house majority leader he's a republican and he's actually what what I, well there's a few interesting things about this guy is that he's actually 31 years old so he's pretty young and in 2018 he got in trouble for something i think all libertarians would think would be pretty funny um that um i found pretty funny but a lot of other people didn't is he actually try he tried to bring a loaded pistol onto a commercial plane and <laughs> he, he, I, apparently he didn't even try to hide it. <laughs> he just had it, and he ended up getting fined. But, it, like, I was actually think, expecting, because I was like, how did he get away with that? I thought the, they came down hard with the boot. But, you know, if, as long as you got a good lawyer, he ended up having to pay, I think, just over two grand in fines. You know, that's the price he had to pay for trying to bring his bring his gun onto the plane well i'm surprised that tsa actually caught it because <laughs> i you know those like um those credit card knives that look like credit card you can fold them and it becomes a jack yeah so i had one like a bottle opener letter opener mm-hmm. my wife got it for me i totally forgot i had it in my wallet one time <laughs> we're checking through tsa this is priceless so i i go through tsa first my wallet's behind. I'm I'm sitting there, just like waiting for my wife to come through because she's sitting in front of my my uh, the box, you know, with my wallet in it. And the TSA agent just playing with my wallet for like two three minutes. I'm sitting there like, why is Sadie taking so long? Why is she like messing with this like TSA agent? Just talking to him. I don't know what's going on. Like, why am I just waiting here? And he just keeps playing with my wallet, playing with my wallet. So I like walk back. I'm like, 
what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm just looking for something. It doesn't make sense. And I like pull out the credit card knife, like show him its knife. And say, is this what you're looking for? And he said, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, it sucks I lose it, but I guess you have to throw it out now. He's like, yep. I'm like, holy hell, like, these are the people protecting us? Like, I have to point out the fucking well, weapon to you? Well, that actually brings me into another thing, too, that I, if you can, this is pretty, pretty common knowledge out there, I guess, now, is that the TSA has a failure rate of 98% or something like that. So I think that's their own internal audit too. I don't think that's like a public yeah. audit. I think that's them judging themselves. <laughs> I can't imagine what like an external audit would. So say. with this, the state representative, he had to have like just had it like, like open carry. Just had to try and walk through because they're pretty bad at it. They're they're really bad at trying to find things apparently. Well, I don't even know how their scans work because like I, I was flying recently and they're like, do you have like, in my first check through, they're like, have any computers, electronics in your bag? And I said, um. No, just a Kindle. Like, oh, we need the Kindle out. or like, you know, mess with stuff. I'm like, whatever. I'll pull the Kindle out. And the second time through, I was like, you know, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna fucking bother telling them there's a Kindle in there. And it just ran right through, and no one stopped me. <laughs> like, wait, so what's the point of pulling it out in the first place? You see how like their laws are changing too. Like now you can carry like bigger hand sanitizer on the planes because it's a risk. Like, so we could always carry that amount of hand sanitizer on the plane. Yeah, like, I don't. It's just I like, don't get that. It's just weird. Like you can't carry like knitting like needles, but you can carry like ice skates on the plane with like a 12 inch blade. Like I don't understand. <laughs> they like so. I went to, when I went to the Philippines earlier this year. Um, I don't have COVID nineteen, so don't even ask. Uh, but um, <laughs> when I went to the Philippines, I had in my carry-on i had a bottle uh sunscreen and bug spray like some real like heavy duty bug spray because i was going to the philippines i got all the way to the i got all the way to korea which was my connecting flight from the u.s to the philippines and they that then they took my hands they took my uh my sunscreen away from me and threw it out and then i got all the way to the philippines was there in the Philippines for like two weeks, flew all the way back to Korea, and then they took my bug spray away from me again. <laughs> so it it makes no sense. Yeah, TS, TSA is a mystery. Like yeah. on my way back from a uh, year up again, no, not COVID nineteen. Like Jake, we're both traveling in this terrible time. Yeah, uh, um, they kept like like this is weird how they picked on the year up. Like what times they're gonna they search you or not. When we like landed back in uh in the USA, got all these signs like no animal smuggling, no birds. They really hammered the bird smuggling. <laughs> I don't know why, but I swear to God, there were like a poster every like fifty feet about like don't fucking smuggle birds into this country. I'm like, holy shit, they are serious. I'm like, I can't imagine the search like can we come back from Europe? So you have to fill out that card, you know, saying hey, I'm not going to bring this much back. You know, I didn't do this. You have to fill that whole like international travel card, uh, basically saying that you know what you did overseas, what you bought, and subject to search i'm like man they're gonna search us pretty good mm-hmm. and i just rolled right through that line no one even glanced yep. there's no scanner mm-hmm. for the bag no nothing i was like i looked at say i was like shit we should rob a backpack full of birds mm-hmm. that's <laughs> like, what happened like we're gonna make a killing <laughs> that's what that's what happened when i went through customs when i came back because you know everybody's freaking out about covid that was like when covid19 was just starting to become like everybody's kind of starting to get a little worried about covid19 that was back in the end of february and everybody's like, oh. And I, we just walked right through customs. The guy just was like, coming from, uh, where you come from? Philippines? Oh, Korea? Go to China? No. Have a nice day. And stamp my thing. <laughs> I, I don't know what a point of a passport is. So, it's, oh, Did you have to use your passport much in your travel? Because in all the flights, like, and we took, like, probably at least, she's got a plane, like, five, six times. They didn't first check our passport until we we're already in Europe and traveling from one European country to another, and then once on, like, the way home. So I'm talking, like, we're talking, like, several international, like, two international flights. I mean, I guess more than inter- more than that. I guess I was considering international, but intercontinental, two intercontinental flights, two or three international flights. My passport checked once, maybe twice. Like, why am I spending a fee on it? Like, what do you use it for? That's what I wonder, too, because I, is it, I, because every country, it's not, like, a universal, like, like like guide you know like every country has their own kind of passport so i i I literally i have no idea what it what it really is for it's just 
I don't know, man. I really don't. To raise some extra tax Maybe. dollars. That's what it's like. I guess, I mean. It's like that state, yeah. like the real ID they have now in the state of Michigan. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not going to get, I don't, I'm not going to get a real ID now that I have a passport because I can just use my passport now. Why would I pay extra money to get a real ID? Because I can just I think, use my passport. I think passport. they're going to make you have it, though, for like um, domestic flights. Well, I don't think you yeah. can use your passport for anymore. Really? I thought you have to show your real. I, I could be wrong. I'm just like roughly quoting, but I thought you had to have certain things. And if you did, it's just tax revenue. What the fuck I, I could is be wrong. Maybe you your for? It's like <laughs> international, international. <laughs> shape. Come on, that's just ridiculous, man. It's, dude. I'm, I'm I, telling again, you, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. So this is how it starts. This is how it all starts. Like, and then we just gotta have Donald Trump cross the Rubicon, and then it's game on. Well, speaking of Donald Trump, I think we know we've talked about state level, it's a little bit of local stuff, so let's end with um, national politics. I'd just like to shout out that I'm right, Sleepy Joe did win the nomination with Bernie Sanders <laughs> dropping out. I remember our first Democratic debate review, I said Sleepy Joe was riding all the way, Joe, Jake, he's like an uncle alone at the wheel with a bunch of nieces and nephews fighting in the back, and they're all exciting, you know, one niece will get on top, scream, I want ice cream, Uncle Joe, or, and everybody will like rave, like, woo! she wants ice cream more than you and no, whatever all this bullshit as the nieces and nephews fight but i said i said at the beginning <laughs> sleepy joe doesn't care he's asleep at the wheel he has control the kids might get some attention now and then from the aunt but sleepy joe's gonna win and mm-hmm. he did like uh, like it's just a, a, a shout out to him because yeah. the the debates are gonna be so good mm. jake They're so gonna be good. good i'm excited <laughs> i'm so i'm so excited because the the the, the greatest thing too is all the freaking the Bernie bros and how they're having an utter meltdown about their boy. And like, all I'm thinking is, is I was actually, I was actually pretty confident. Like last year when Bernie said he was going to run for president, I was like, you know what? I think he might. Cause he was pretty popular in 2016. He was. And I, I don't necessarily, I think I want to take back probably what I said back then too. Cause I don't actually truly believe that they stole the election from him back in 2016 because Hillary Clinton got more votes than he did. Um, but um, but that's besides the point. But I I thought he did have a chance. And then the thing is, is he's just too nice. He's just too nice. Like, dude, you're, you're trying to lead a revolutionary mo- movement and you're just, you're telling, you're saying how all these guys are so good and they're your friends. So like, why, like, why is anybody going to vote for you? Yeah, he could have hammered Biden on mm-hmm. his sexual allegations, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, it's unfortunate he's too nice. And a little part of me is sad. Um, I'm not a big, I don't like Bernie. I don't really not like any of the candidates running, but I always hold out a little bit of hope for the Democrats because, in truth, they are the more principled party. Like they have some principles, and they actually kind of back them up. You know, they live by him. They go about it in a terrible way through statism and socialism and communism and all that stuff. But the Republicans have have never had principles. You know, they no. basically say one thing and always do the opposite. So I always have like a little bit of hope that Democrats just kind of rally around and say, "Hey, we're for social mm-hmm. rights and individual rights." What if we were for economic rights, too, because that's part of social mm-hmm. and individual rights? And then it'd be like, oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be like this fantastic movement would start. And I always get a little bit sad when, like, even, even, if, it, even, if, there's poor, even if their principles, like Bernie Sanders, are, like, off because he wants to use state violence, like, he's still got some principles that he does a pretty good job of trying to live by or at least presenting. And I always hold out a little bit of hope for the Democrats, and they always disappoint me. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny, too, because you have, like, like all those progressives over there who are like, you know, for the last two years they've been screaming about how they're going to go in there and they're going to they're going to primary other, you know, establishment Democrats and they're going to take the party back and we're going to have the next uh, FDR in office and and then Bernie Sanders loses and look what happens. AOC, she votes for one of the worst pieces of legislation in American history that enriches rich people and right before she voted for it, she went on a a rant about how bad it was but then she turned around and voted for it and now she's no longer supporting any uh she's no longer supporting any progressive candidates that are trying to get into that party she's towing the line and so is the rest of the squad and so is tulsi gabbard they're all statists they're all there to serve their party and to That's further their own prestige the in their pockets 
And at the end of the day, the politician's most important job is to get reelected. It has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. If AOC wants to get reelected, she's got to toe the line. It's really easier. Okay, I shouldn't say it's easy, but I would say it's a lot easier your first term, like when you've never been elected before, to rally around some progressive movement and move on in. But once you're in, you want to stay in. You've got you to gotta get down and dirty with the big boys, mm-hmm. and you've got to throw out your favors where you want because that progressive movement does not fly when you're, when you're actually in the seat. They showed us their true colors. Like I'm just hearing like little whispers from people saying, oh, no, she's just trying to get – she's trying to develop alliances in the party, and we're, we're gonna, she's going to fight for us. I'm like, no, she's not. They never do. Yeah. If you have to go to other people to get – to make your life better and to get things done – you're just a slave. That's it. That's like Republicans saying Trump is playing 4D chess. He he doesn't <laughs> even know what chess is. He hasn't even mastered checkers yet, guys. Like, <laughs> give me a break. He, he called, uh, did you know, like, he called Gretchen Whitmer, Witless Whitmer? <laughs> no, that's good. I give Trump one thing. He's fantastic at nicknames, and his Twitter feed is is amazing. Like, I'll miss him for those two reasons if he loses, but he's not going to lose, so... I'm calling yeah, it. I I'm like, since we started this podcast, I'm 100% calling elections. I said Joe Biden's going to win the primary. Trump's going to win the general election. I'm so. pretty sure Trump's going to win, but I wouldn't say that it's going to be like a landslide victory. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put Joe Biden out just you yet. Say, They're going to hop him until, up full of so many drugs. <laughs> you say that until like near the end of the second debate, that town hall format where he just loses it and he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> And someone asks him some question, and he just goes off on a rant. Trump's going to sit there, and they're going to pan the camera to Trump. And you know how he makes all silly faces, like when Hillary's talking, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just going to see him, like, his jaw drop, him just make funny faces. And he's going to get behind Creepy Joe. He's going to start, like, mocking him, like that he did that disabled reporter, you know? And and it, the, we're just going to, the country's going to lose it. Like, Joe's going to lose right there. People are going to hate Trump for making fun of his dementia on stage. But I am just going to have the time of my life. Do you remember when Trump was making fun of Marco Rubio? and his sweat and like throwing water all over the stage <laughs> that's why it's gonna be so much better because he's gonna do it with joe on the stage and joe's not gonna have a clue at what's going on like he i was... could see trump like put i could see trump putting on like a wig and just walk in front of joe like sniff me <laughs> did you do you remember when he made fun of michael bloomberg and he like lowered himself under the podium <laughs> My personal favorite was Jeb, though. Always low-energy Jeb. Just, like, sucked the life out of that man. The, the thing is, is Jeb... He, he was so excited to be president, and he had it. Jeb had it all lined up. And then one day in a debate, Trump said, you're low-energy. It looked like he just popped Jeb. Like, there was something, like, George used to tease him about and beat him up about. Like, well, little pussy Jeb, you can't keep up with big George and dad. But, like, it just brought, like, these horror yeah. childhood memories of him being bullied. And he just caved. Jeb... Jeb Bush, he had the pedigree, he had the entire Republican establishment backing him, and then Donald Trump just freaking gangbanged him. <laughs> He's so good with nicknames. He could just take a he could just take a human and put him under the bus so quick. Well the thing is is like what happened is is like this is like a new era of politics, I think, too, because like we have a a way to go like oh you like it used to be like you have to be like real presidential and like professional and like you know always like just be real courteous and like you know witty and things like that but you know but don't like be obnoxious and everything and so that's what all the republicans were trying to do but donald trump he came and changed the fucking game and that could we just remember the debate like it wasn't it like little rubio like he's making fun of his little hands you know in reference to his penis let's just remember this day the point where rubio came back in that debate and talked to trump about the size of his hands on live television (laughs) they're going back and forth about their hands where everybody in the whole country knows they're talking about their dicks we literally have marco rubio and trump getting in a dick measuring contest in a debate <laughs> and politics has never been better <laughs> the thing is is you know i might have to take it back just a little bit because i just remembered that um our founding fathers were pretty ruthless to each other too they were called oh, they were uh, they called each other like transvestites and just all kinds of awful things 
Yeah, I hear it makes our politics look kind of weak, but, you know, I wasn't alive then. This is the best I got, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> I don't have anything else for you, man. I don't have anything else either, but uh, keep following us. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can also email us if you have any questions at trydomeepodcast at gmail.com. Look forward to talking to you again next week, and, and stay safe out there, people. The disease, while we make fun of it and jokes, it's still dangerous, so just take care of yourself and take care of your friends and family. Until then, see ya. Yeah.